0: This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace recently launched the latest version of their platform, Squarespace 7, which has a completely redesigned interface, integrations with Getty Images and Google Apps, 15 new templates, and an incredible feature called Cover Pages. Try the new Squarespace with a free trial at squarespace.com and enter offer code RIOT at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Start here. Go anywhere.
1: This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 106. We're recording on Thursday, May 14th. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, and I'm here with Jeff O'Neill, and we are coming to you from BookRiot.com.
0: Happy Happy Thursday.
1: That we thought was a Wednesday. Yeah, I
0: thought it was Wednesday, and you thought it was Friday. So, so we know, met in the here middle. we are. Well, yeah, we're like statisticians. <laughs> you even us out. and we As got is it the our right way. Yeah. Uh, we were just talking um, uh, a few minutes ago, so BEA is coming up. It is, and, like two uh, weeks. In two weeks. So we're going to be – the the whole Book Riot uh, squad is going to be there, all the full-time people, and then a bunch of our contributors and affiliates are going to be there straight off the show floor. Um, and so I guess it'll be episode 108, right? Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, is going to be a little late because we're, we're not going to record while we're at BEA. We're going to record the Monday after. Um, so that's just a heads up that for, I know a lot. I, whenever the show is a little bit late, the Monday morning folks who rely on it to get to work or whatever they need to do to get into their week are upset, or you know they're just worried because what what's happening? Are we going to get our uh, our uh, Scooby snack? What's going on? Um, but I'm just going to let you know that you're not going to have one for Wednesday morning. Probably one, uh, excuse me Monday morning for Monday night, uh, whatever day that is uh, at the end of May in a couple weeks. So, but we'll have a nice uh, BEA. I guess it'll be a, a, a BEA. Retrospective, but it'll yeah, be a preview nice of the things coming out. Follow out up
1: from BEA. The shine wore off of sitting face to face with a microphone, not knowing what to do with <laughs> our hands. Yeah, so. and, and our, the
0: audio was never that good, and also we had to like carve out space while we got everyone in town. And just so this way we can we can decompress, we can look at our notes and, and go over it. So and.
1: Uh, if you are in New York or if you will be there oh, yeah. for Book Expo, we are sponsoring the Book Bookrageous Bash, which is a fun party. Um, I've been one of the co-hosts of the Book Bookrageous podcast for the last almost five years, yeah. uh, and we do a big party that's open to the public, and we would love to meet you there. It's Wednesday, Febu- February. <laughs> uh, let's all travel yeah. into the future It's together. February
0: 2013. You can go to the Book. <laughs> I head.
1: don't know where I am. Yeah. Uh, it's Wednesday, May 27th at Housing Works uh, Bookstore and Cafe beginning at 7 p.m. We have some great authors that we'll be featuring. There will be games. There's going to be booze mm-hmm. and a bunch of uh, the well, all the Book Rages hosts and a bunch of Book Riot people. So um, come on by. There's a Facebook page where you can RSVP just so we have an idea of how many people are going to show up. But um, open to the public. Bring a friend. Let's hang out.
0: Yeah, we'll be there. Amanda will be there. Uh, Liberty will be there. Uh, Rita will be there. All the people if you listen to a bunch of Book Riot podcasts that you you know. Um, are going to be there. Uh, so, yeah. So,
1: yeah. Oh, I have to fall on my sword here for a second. Why? Uh, because last week oh. during our spot for The Novice by Taryn Matharu, uh, which is a sponsor again this week and we will tell you more about the book farther down, further down in the show. Um, stay tuned while I'm confused about everything. I said that it was published by Hachette after it was picked up from Wattpad and I was wrong. It is being published by Fywell and Friends, which is a Macmillan imprint. So yeah, well, my apologies for the mistake. Anyway.
0: Yeah, all right. Uh, should we do our first sponsor?
1: Let's do it. Who is
0: our first sponsor?
1: It's Squarespace.
0: Oh, Squarespace. Do you mean it's the, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to make a beautiful, responsive, and uh, professional-looking website?
1: The is, one Is that the Squarespace only. you're talking about? It's also the Squarespace where for only $8 a month, you can get a free domain name if you have bought Squarespace for a year and 24-7 live chat. Or email support.
0: Is it also this, the same Squarespace as responsive design? So if you look at your website on a phone or on a tablet or on a laptop or, or on, a, on a big, you know, 27-inch iMac, that'll look great because their pre-designed templates are built for this modern computing age, Jeffy- which is all sorts of things, to look at the interwebs.
1: Indeed, it is. And it's the Squarespace that has a new thing called Cover Pages, where you can create a beautiful one-page online presence in just minutes. So, you know, if you need to park your resume, if you need to just do one page of photos to prove that you can take photos for a client whatever, mm. you can use the Squarespace cover pages feature.
0: I think I've heard of the Squarespace. It's the same one where your your free 14-day trial doesn't require a credit card so that you don't have to forget, you know remember to cancel it if you don't like it, even though if you sign up for Squarespace and you really actually have a website to build, you're not going to do that, probably. That Squarespace, that's the one we're talking about. Yes, <laughs> so yeah. We, yeah. And I like just, this little bit we're doing. This is fun. I know, fun. Yeah. This
1: is, and we, we didn't plan <laughs> no, this. No, we did I'm glad that we're rolling with yes. it. It's also the Squarespace where... If you go to squarespace.com and you use the offer code riot at the checkout, you'll get ten percent off, and it will let them know that you came from us, so we can keep our lights on and keep entertaining you with these lovely bits.
0: Yeah, you know, someday we should thank Squarespace for their support of Book rights. Squarespace, uh, build a beautiful this 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 website. We're just hearing of for the first time. Thanks so much to Squarespace for sponsoring the show. Okay, you know it's it's a, it's a, it's a it's a tech show today, sort of. It feels yeah, like, or yeah. well, it's like anyway. It's forward and backward. We'll explain that in There's, this.
1: Yeah, techie potpourri today. Yeah.
0: So the the let's see. I think the most interesting thing we saw this week, or at least I did, um, Simon and Schuster is getting on the. What we've seen recently is publishers or retailers doing sort of location specific access to ebooks. So we. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, on a uh, plane on a train kobo uh, this one is also this week kobo was spons- sponsoring uh was partnering with Southwest for kobo books i think we saw um there was there was another one recently oh stuff we saw stuff on trains other places uh you know library and airports where you can get access to ebooks mm-hmm. so you know places where people tend to read let's give them ebooks well this one is simon schuster is gonna Bring books to mobile devices at museums and airports, and they're publishing with this distribu- distribution platform called FOLI. So that FOLI, FOLI. Foley. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, I uh, transposed it. Fully, FOLI, mm-hmm. Um
1: <clears throat> Funkenweiler, So yeah,
0: Funken- Oh, golly, Frankenweiler. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so where, so for example, the the use case I like that they describe. Say you're at the the Air and Space Museum in in uh, D.C. Our nation's capital. Um, you could have access right there to a chapter on David McCullough's new biography, The Wright Brothers, when you're sitting looking up at the – I don't know. If, did that plane have a name? That I don't know. I don't you know, know the answer to that. I've I bet if you that, downloaded this chapter when you were standing you there, they'd tell out. you right now.
1: I've been past that Wright Brothers Memorial in Nags Head.
0: Oh, oh, right. On yes. the Outer Banks
1: a jillion times um, here in the South, but I have never stopped because the – Wright Brothers Museum is not quite my jam. No,
0: okay. Um, but anyway, so like at museums, they're basically trying to give you relevant information and books to mm-hmm. what you're doing right then. So you can imagine this at art museums all over the world, natural history museums, other points of interest, you know, you know, you get the national monuments or yeah. uh, all sorts of stuff that what would be super What if you could get like
1: Neil deGrasse Tyson dropped into your e-reader at oh, the Air and Space? Very,
0: or audiobooks, you could do this eventually mm-hmm. too, just a chapter or so. I mean, I, I don't think you're going to get the whole thing for free. I don't know why you would do that. But like you get a sample, like you're interested in this particular topic. Maybe you're primed for sort of a deep dive um, on meteors or uh, Picasso or whatever the case may be. I think this is very, very smart.
1: Yeah, this is really interesting. And it sent us on the... Book Riot back channel, like imagining other ways, you know, yes. other uses for these things of like, you know, this museum could have this other kind of book. It, it does seem to make a lot of sense. Like no. this makes much more sense to me than the like you get on an airplane and they're like, here are free excerpts of books that we would like to yeah, sell you right. based on the fact that we would like to sell them to you. Would you please read these and excerpts and then buy know nothing about what you're interested in but other than you're flying right now. Right, yeah, this, you know, it's targeted to people who are already presumably interested in the subject matter, and they're providing, you know, you have that context, and you're looking at a good potential customer for the right kind of content. You know, you wouldn't drop the David McCullough Wright Brothers biography on someone who's standing, like, in front of the pyramid exhibit.
0: Right. Because you, do I, I like... um I haven't been able to do one for a while because I've been having my kids into every time I've been in a museum recently. But those audio tours, you know, we get that little thing Mm -hmm. and you press the little button and tells you about the painting. Like it would be cool. Like you could imagine, say, um, a city sponsoring like an audio book tour of the city. Like yeah, you go that would to this cool. location and you get to hear something. About, you know, maybe you're down at um, the Bro- you're at uh, Fulton Landing in Brooklyn and you get Whitman's Crossing Brooklyn Ferry right there. Mm-hmm. Or you know, you're down in the village and you get some Ginsburg Or you're up in Harlem and you get some Langston. You know, like you can yeah. imagine sort of a. A tour, a literary tour or a bookish tour of the city that could, you know, give people some additional information. Right. Um,
1: Richmond being the capital of the Confederacy and a huge civil uh, war. You yes. know, we have tons of Civil War history and a you know, great big old cemetery with a bunch of famous Civil War uh, soldiers and Jefferson Davis is buried here. You could easily imagine, you know, dropping in relevant mm-hmm. books to people that are hanging out there or that go to the Museum of the Confederacy or like we have the Edgar Allan Poe Museum. Oh, yeah, sure. Sure. Here, so for, so for literary stuff, it makes so, this makes sense. A this lot is of like sense, yeah. The first one of these kinds of things that I've thought has really made a lot of sense. And I think it's because the books are contextually yeah. appropriate. It's not just like, oh, captive audience on a plane, let's market stuff to them.
0: I, I guess my, I mean, from a user standpoint, it seems very cool. Like I'm here, I download a relevant chapter of a book. I guess from the publisher's point of view... Are, are they expecting me then to buy the rest of the... Do they think I'm going to then maybe be interested enough to buy the rest of the book? Are they going to license the chapter mm. to the museum and get I a would, little kickback that way? Like, I guess, how question. does the money work? I mean, what's in it for the publisher?
1: Yeah, I, I would guess it's probably driving towards sales. Right. Uh that would be my guess. But like we say over and over and we have for the last 106 episodes that the thing we want publishers to do is to solve readers problems and to provide value to readers. And this is, this does that. This does, Mm -hmm. I'm standing at the Air and Space Museum and I would like to read about these things that I'm seeing. Oh, look, here is a book on which I can do that. It's not a, just a blind marketing grab. I think that's really smart.
0: Yeah, it is smart. And um, I, I'd be interested to see how it works in practice. Like, is this a DRM thing? Do you have to use the dedicated app? You know, you know mm-hmm. how much you and I love. I mean, ded- dedicated reading apps are basically our favorite thing. Yeah, I mean, it's way up there. It's way up there with uh, buying, <laughs> paying full price for uh, disposable I don't razors. like
1: routinely go on Twitter rants about proprietary e <clears throat> reading apps ever.
0: No, you've never done that. No. Like it's, you have know, like a repeating omnifocus task. Like <laughs> right. if I ranted about dedicated <laughs> e reading apps recently, maybe I should. Maybe we should take care of that now. So this will be interesting. And if um, – I don't know. The test drive oh, – so, okay. But it starts May 15th. This wasn't even – I thought this was just uh, a sort of a speculative example. They're actually going to do the David McCullough thing mm-hmm. um, at the Air and Space Museum. Uh, and at more than fifty major okay. airports, so I don't know so what that's about. So now I have about.
1: here's my question, though. You have to the text will be available via the Foley, and that's F O L I yeah. app. And so, how are people in the Air and Space Museum or in these fifty airports? supposed to find out about yeah, the book? print like, ads.
0: Print ads, I'm sure. Right? Like, be, are they
1: going to put up banners or, like, posters in the airport that say, hey, you can get this book if you download this app? Yeah. Um, or will it be, like, if you sign on to the airport's Wi-Fi, you'll get a pop-up for it or something? I'm curious about that. If you happen to be in a museum mm-hmm. after May 15th and you... Or in a, one of these 50 airports that aren't listed, but if you're in an airport and you see something, please let us know how this shakes out. I got to say, I wish that there was a way that it could just, like pop up on people's phones and then they could get the book in any app they want but yeah i
0: one mean thing I, at a time, they're not going to get the book right they're just going to get a chapter or so they're not well, giving says, the full text of the right it brothers? says the
1: foley thing allows publishers to deliver specific books or chapters from mm. specific books um, in specific but locations why would they be giving away and it doesn't say, like, it's not totally clear this no, piece from, uh, from Galley Cat, but it's, it just says Simon and Schuster will test drive this new feature with David McCullough's new biography, The Wright Brothers. Hmm. So it could be the whole book or it could be an excerpt. Um, also, please let us know. Yeah, if, you if find you're going
0: to be in, a fi- in one of the uh, 50 major airports. Or all, one or all of them. Yeah, um, I mean, I'll be in,
1: well, actually, I'll be in LaGuardia in a couple of there weeks. You go. Maybe I will see something. Wait, it does
0: it start May when? When does it start? May 15th. Okay, right now. This, tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow, By the which time is, you're uh, listening
1: to this, this thing will be live.
0: Tomorrow, which is either uh, Thursday or Saturday, depending if you're me or Rebecca. Um,
1: Could also be 2013. Who uh, knows?
0: I told you that. I, wrote a, I tried to write a check with, and signed a 2012 the other day.
1: 2012. 2012.
0: I mean, not even close.
1: <laughs> Back when I was still editing the site every day, I did routinely change the no, year I'm on Critical Linking Post. the worst.
0: <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm a disaster. Um. Okay.
1: Time is just hard, Jeff.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Time, we all time grow is hair hard.
1: and time is hard. Speaking of
0: disaster, so we're, gonna, we're forward in time. So that's the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to the past. Okay. So we got this press release. Um, a bunch of us got it simultaneously this week. That Harper Collins is bringing a special vinyl edition of Amy Poehler's Yes Please to, to stores to market. They're bringing it to market to market to buy a fat hand. What is what is this?
1: I have no. What clue. is this?
0: Aren't audiobooks on vinyl like, like nine hundred records long?
1: And somebody, one of our contributors, pointed out, like, well, how do you keep your place? Uh, yeah. Without turning, like, you. I guess you would have to not turn the record player off. Or um, something, or you I have one,
0: a modern record player that when like, you turn it off, it stops, you know, within three this, seconds like, of where you...
1: Yeah, the cover of the Amy Poehler book looks really great as it the does. record cover. It does
0: look like a kind of like a record cover because she's got her arms up and yeah, she's kind of wearing rockery kind rock of stuff and, roll. and a neon, lo- you know, whatever.
1: But like, <laughs> what?
0: I'm I, trying I so
1: hard not to say the F word right now, Jeff. Um, yeah,
0: <laughs> seriously. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's, okay, so, um, the associate publisher of Harper audio says in this press release, the package stands out on its own as a collector's item. Yeah, you know but, why?
0: Because it's a side of the Encyclopedia Britannica. Cause it's like 900 <laughs> records. Which, anyway. you know,
1: like I love me some Amy Poehler. I would maybe consider putting like just a cool thing of that book cover on my office wall, but I'm a person who gets paid to do things right. about books. And so that is pr- relatively unusual. Um, but the fact that it contains a fantastic recording makes it a true audiophile's dream. Okay. Maybe, but like, very few people are going to sit down and listen to a. I think it's yeah. like a seven-hour audiobook, yeah, in one go on vinyl. It seems to me like they could have done if they had to do vinyl. Which, like, why?
0: Mm. So they each side done, of like, the, a twelve-inch LP can play for more than twenty minutes.
1: Yeah, and like last. What? The last chapter of the Amy Poehler audiobook is is live. It's like
0: yeah. uh, it's a
1: live recording of her reading from the book at the um, Upright Citizens Brigade theater surrounded by a bunch of friends. And you can hear the audience laughing and it feels very like warm and personable. And I could see releasing just that chapter on mm. vinyl. But I just don't understand putting a whole audio book on vinyl ever. My assumption Mm -hmm. is that they don't intend for people to actually listen to it. This is just an object. Wow. Which like, Amy Poehler is beloved. And so maybe it will work. But I want to see sales numbers on this puppy. I just, I don't I just don't understand it. Also, the book itself, the physical book for Yes, Please was a really beautiful object and has like huge full color photos and an interesting design. So you are Like you get the Amy Poehler Mm. audio experience if you do the audio book. But I know a bunch of people, um, a bunch of our contributors and our readers told us that they did both because Mm. the book was really beautiful. So they wanted to have the object and they listened to it on audio because they wanted to hear her read it. Um, But I just I just don't know. This is one of those things also that it's like, how much money did the publisher spend on this thing and why? where else well, could it have I gone I
0: mean it, I'm I just was Wikipedia. it's like it sounds like for spoken word you can get up to 30 minutes a side of a 12-inch lp so <laughs> so every so you're going to get Oh so, wait wait wait
1: it's the vinyl edition is seven highlights from the yes please audio
0: book Ah okay well Missed there that we important
1: go. detail
0: Well then it's both it both makes more and less sense
1: Mm hmm. <laughs> <Right. laughs> oh, but but bundling, but bundling. Wait, I'm coming around. We should have read this press release more closely. Consumers who purchase the vinyl will also receive a digital audio download of the full length audiobook.
0: Oh, wait, where does that say? It's in
1: the second paragraph of the press release.
0: <laughs> mm. OK. <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> it's not Wednesday. It's not Friday. Okay. We missed details. So
0: this is just a this
1: is just uh this is just uh cracker jack box. Yeah. It's this novelty is, bundling. But at least okay. it's
0: bundling. Uh
1: what if it had gone the other way? What if you got what if everyone who bought the audiobook got the vinyl?
0: Well, I'm assuming they're gonna charge you a they, they charge you a pretty penny for vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm guessing I mean I'm guessing they think of it this way. Um. Okay, well, all right, so it's okay, a promotional I can, thing Yeah,
1: it's promotional, this is, uh, yeah, it's it marginally cooler yeah. All right, so now. even HarperCollins
0: knew that a seven record full recording of uh, Amy Poehler on vinyl was a bad idea
1: We like crapped all over that thing and then We had did. To, rewind. We have to We had
0: to wipe the toilet a little bit, sorry about that, <laughs> HC uh, Anyway, but, but we were so flabbergasted, I think
1: it was just, you could hear the like Scooby-Doo confused <laughs> yeah. noise like going across the internet and across our back channels <laughs> when everyone was like, I got this thing about an Amy Polar vinyl thing. It's a, it's a thing.
0: Well, here's the thing that's funny is that it's not, a, I mean, we didn't immediately think it was an Onion article. I mean, <laughs> it was within the bounds of absurdity of something a publisher might do. They're like. Which
1: admittedly, those bounds are pretty wide. Pretty wide. Wide.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because, like, well, vinyl, I mean, because vinyl's a thing. Like, people are, you know, people are into vinyl. Um, People are into Amy Poehler, uh, you know. It wasn't absurd. Absurd. It was just ridiculous. Um, I think I'll, I'll put a. There's will be a chart in the back of the room you can use to decide what's ridiculous and what's merely absurd, or vice versa, as the case may be. Um, uh, let's see. Let's move on. Where should we go here? Let's talk
1: about Amazon publishing. Oh
0: yeah, tell me about. This was interesting. I this is
1: interesting. We've you know talked a lot about what Amazon has done and how it's been a long time since they had a really big hit. Um, Larry Kirschbaum, who was heading up a lot of the Amazon publishing efforts left um, in early 2014, and they shuttered some of the imprints. And there was kind of an impression that Amazon Publishing was contracting. Um, But in fact, even though it scaled back its New York City offices, they have continued to expand the overall operation. So now there are more than so now there are 14 imprints with offices in six cities, and Amazon Publishing is set to release 1,200 titles or so Man. this year. Um, it's largely focused on commercial fiction.
0: Has been. Has, has been. been, yeah. Now it's expanding um, into biography, memoir. Yeah,
1: they're really uh, narrative looking
0: narrative nonfiction. They're
1: really looking to expand nonfiction. Um,
0: I wonder why and, that is. I wonder why they because the literary fiction stuff has been a failure. Like yeah. the stuff they've tried to do, I think that's. I mean, Kirschbaum is now out, um, left in early 2014. I listened to the Everything Store recently. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've talked about it on the show. And there's, it's you know, totally fascinating when when um, they when Amazon hires Kirschbaum is like a big deal. Like people are like, are they going to be basically the full stack publisher from acquisitions to editing to distribution to retail the whole the whole situation? And you could see that people might think that's a. A possibility, but for whatever reason Amazon could never really get any traction on the big you know, the Penny Marshall was a big, big mm-hmm. um a big failure. They paid like I think they paid low nine figures for that is what I heard. Yeah, no, that nine was a figures. Big That's one. not right. Mm-hmm. Seven figures. Yeah. Nine figures would right. be hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars. Right.
1: Yeah. Seven figures.
0: Um and it sold like twelve copies or something. <laughs> you know, something really absurd. Um you know
1: And they did have trouble getting traction. Uh, I, maybe particularly with the fiction because um, a lot of bookstores, including Barnes & Noble and a lot of indie bookstores, wouldn't carry the titles published by mm. Amazon.
0: Yeah. They've got um, s- some new audio imprints, um, Brilliance, which is a, an audio production company they own, but also they're getting into the Christian audiobook market. Starting mm. um, last year, they started that. So it's you know uh, really interesting that – the the top level like industry headline grabbing stuff didn't work, but not surprisingly, they've got a lot of data and one thing they can do with that data is see what people are buying and maybe what's underserved. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me like they're, you know, they're doing children's imprints, they're doing some more genre stuff. Um, I guess nonfiction would be interesting if they know that people are searching for like topics.
1: Or if it's like, a, if they know something about, well, and, and they do know about the gender demographics of yeah. their readers, like at least the publishing, like the industry lore goes that men mostly read mm-hmm. nonfiction. Um, and we don't really have any, we don't have any way to really know that publishers really don't have a way to know that because Amazon holds all the data um, about who these customers are and it they, it stays in the black box, but maybe they know that or they know that they certainly know like the types of genres that the people who are frequent Kindle users uh, are going to buy so they can they can publish these books and then they can give them placement wherever they want within the Kindle ecosystem and as more people become e-readers you know as that becomes more and more normal
0: mm-hmm. they can Oh, Dr. Ruth has a book coming out with them. <laughs> she does? Yeah, the doctor is in.
1: Oh, Yeah, yeah coming Dr. out in
0: 2016.
1: As a brief aside, if you're not following Dr. Ruth on Twitter, mm-hmm. you are missing out, my friend. It yeah. is hilarious. Um, so th- there's a list here in the Publishers Weekly this was piece interesting th- too. about Amazon Publishing's bestsellers of 2014. I wish that there were uh, numbers attached. Have you heard of any of these? I haven't. I was going to ask you the same thing. I
0: haven't heard of any of these.
1: Uh, so in number one is When I Found You by Katherine Ryan Hyde followed by Pines by Blake Crouch. Then My Sister's Grave by Robert Dugoni. At number four is War Brides by Helen Bryan. Uh, because She Loves Me by Mark Edwards. Abducted by T.R. Reagan. One You lavender. just be making these
0: up. I know. I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One <laughs> Lavender Ribbon by Heather Birch Montlake. Uh... Look Behind You by Sibel Hodge. Single by Saturday by Catherine Bybee, and Hidden by Catherine McKenzie. Um, and it has the imprint names here, but not what kind of Well Lake of books Union those I think is commercial.
0: Cover. And okay. Thomas and Mercer, I think, is because uh, we've they've done some advertising on the yeah, site, I think. And
1: maybe that's the thriller. Thrillers. Mystery
0: thriller, I believe. Oh
1: wait, there's an explanation of, oh, them hey. of the imprints down below. Boy, Thomas really and Mercer is at, mystery and yeah. thrillers. Lake Union is contemporary and historical fiction, memoirs, yeah. and popular nonfiction. Contemporary
0: historical fiction, you know what we call that? Commercial fiction.
1: Yeah. Um, but it also includes memoirs and popular oh, nonfiction. Oh, that's interesting. So they have a couple of romance their, imprints. Yeah, Montlake romance and a regular romance imprint. If so, any of you
0: out there want to look at this title and see if you've heard of any of these, because legitimately, interestingly, this falls outside of the, the, the main of the publishing book world ecosystem. Mm-hmm. like. We don't get press releases about these. We they don't. They tend not to get reviewed or talked about um, for a variety of reasons that might be interesting to go to in some other time. But yeah, it's like the shadow publishing industry that pub, that Amazon mm-hmm. is the only one that has any information about.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh- At the time, it's been a few years since I was in a meeting with Amazon Publishing, but at the time that I was, they had a bunch of marketing people and not really anyone on publicity in the way at least that book industry people like us are used to receiving publicity where like a publicist from the publisher emails you and says, we have this book coming out and here's what it's about and here are the kinds of readers that like it and maybe you want to cover it. Yeah. Um, so Amazon perhaps, and I think I've like speculated on the show that perhaps Amazon just has had relied too heavily on publicizing its own titles within its own ecosystem and hadn't reached out to mainstream media, or maybe they thought that, you know, media just wouldn't pay attention because it was Amazon books and not something else. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. How, yeah,
0: very interesting. How
1: that happens.
0: Um, it's the second largest publisher on the Kindle platform in the U.S., I mm. guess, presumably only behind PRH. I can't imagine yeah. who would be bigger than that. Um another just another little nugget I thought I'd pulled out. Like we're in this weird sort of wait and see moment with the, the great print versus ebook, you know, uh, evolution, I guess. I'm not mm-hmm. going to call it a war cuz print ebooks are non-sentient and of course can't be a war with anything, but like <laughs> you know, like where do we what does the future look or even the near future look like for mm-hmm. print and digital? And not surprisingly Amazon's publishing sales skew towards digital but they 're doing more and more print, and they 've seen growth in their print business so it 's got to be a sign of the relative strength of print, if even Amazon, who is probably more incentivized than anyone not mm-hmm. to care about print, is doing print continuing to do print and also doing more print and seeing um, growth in their print business so that that I thought was um, a telling sort of uh, 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 moment there too. The only the only data we're ever going to get because this won't even show up in BookScan because Amazon doesn't no. report to BookScan right. or Nielsen or anything like that. I, I do this um, daily email deals thing. Um, if people are interested, go bookright. deals where I pick one ebook deal a day and it's usually a couple bucks. And you know Amazon has a lot of the best deals. They have the best pricing control, so they can make things go on sale anyway. And I don't have sales data, but if I if there's a couple of things I haven't heard of before, or I haven't read, but I've heard of, or I have read, but I don't know how relatively popular they are, like which one more people would be interested in. One thing I look at is the number of reviews, just sort of as a proxy for mm-hmm. you know awareness. And I've come across some Amazon books that I've never heard of that have like seven thousand reviews, and yeah. just just for comparison's sake, like. I'm trying to think what would be something that people would know. Uh, oh, uh, then when I was looking at snow falling on cedars the other day, David Gooderson mm-hmm. it was a big you know literary fiction hit yeah, of like the book. 90s, right?
1: I had to read it in high school.
0: I'm sure I'm, everyone had to read it at some point. Who was a book nerd <laughs> in the 90s because it was like it's everywhere. When the Pulitzer Prize, right, got went right. into a movie. Um, it only had no, it only has 929 reviews. So like this book, seven
1: thousand is a lot. So there's
0: a lot of weird things that go on. Like if you buy your book from Amazon, maybe you're more likely to to review. And it if it's only available on Amazon, you know, like there's a lot of different things to do. But there, I guess, also
1: maybe they could be fake.
0: Uh, you think Amazon is faking their own reviews?
1: No, but authors have paid. You know, you can. We've talked a couple weeks ago, a month yeah, yeah, ago yeah, about yeah. those. Yeah,
0: but not uh, that all. That, not that's certainly that, like, a possibility. It would have to be fake, but yeah. I, I guess I was saying the other possibility is that there's just these huge popular hits. Mm-hmm. That exist only on Amazon that yeah. we just we just don't hear about um, for whatever reason. I don't know how this happened. Maybe it's own algorithms. Maybe they do more suggestions to people buying things like their internal publicity, which is sort of you don't even know it's publicity because it's like shows up in suggested reads or you get a sample mm-hmm. or an email about it or something like that. Um, but I find this whole situation extremely interesting, and uh, I wish I knew is. more about it.
1: And it, like if. If there are those pockets, and I suspect you're right that there are, then it's really fascinating that Amazon's not doing something to get those books, you know, talked about. Maybe like if you've already got that, if you've got 7,000 reviews worth of steam, then why not take that momentum and try to get, you know, big book press talking about those titles and see where else it can go. Like, if you can be big within the Amazon platform and get 7,000 readers to review your thing, then presumably if you you know, started poking at that a little bit more like we hear all the time from publishers who have waited until a book has come out. And then once the book starts, once the book is out and they start getting good coverage for it, then they're like, "Okay, we're going to put some advertising behind this title. Or now we want to do a giveaway for this title because there's the buzz is increasing. And you would think that Amazon would want to be capitalizing on it Uh in the same way. I wonder if they've tried and like the New York times just doesn't want to pay attention to Amazon published books yeah, or doesn't maybe. think they're relevant. But like, how do you, how do you make the argument that a thing's not relevant when 7,000 people have decided that it's worth their time to read it and review it. And something like snow falling on cedars has, you know, maybe
0: a, they're like, we did it without that. I mean, yeah, maybe, but that we also know that there's huge resistance to Amazon within the book world. Right. Like it's, it's moved, I mean, it's, for a while it was sort of frenemy, and now it was more of antagonist, but it feels like we've sort of fallen back more to frenemy, uh, frenemy now that the Hachette and uh, Collins and Simon & Schuster, like, it feels like we're sort of in equilibrium with Amazon in the book world, mm-hmm. but no one's looking to do them any favors. Like, a lot of reviewers, and we know, you know, especially yeah. for literary fiction, it's a librarians and uh uh, indie booksellers, they're not going to talk about it. They're not going to even read it necessarily, fairly or not fairly, whatever you want to say about it. So maybe they're just going to do it anyway. So here, one example I just wanted to talk about real quick. This book that came up while I was looking is The Paper Magician by Charlie M. Holmberg. It was on sale for two bucks. And thats I like to look two bucks for a Kindle book. People will try something different. It has a great looking cover. It's like about magicians in Victorian England and like you would think it would hit like the Night Circus, Harry Potter, sort of. Jonathan Strange. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. It's got 2,500 customer reviews. Hmm. And like I was going to link to it, I was like, I don't know what this is. So if any of you have ever heard of The Paper Magician by Charlie Holmberg, please let me know I, because I, I don't know.
1: Is that published by an Amazon 47 imprint? North? 47, 47 North. 47 yeah, North, yeah, which is their sci-fi, sci-fi fantasy, fantasy
0: imprint. imprint. So anyway, um,
1: Hmm. I'd like to know.
0: There's a lot of stuff I'd like to know here uh, It's for such sure.
1: a tangled web, this publishing. Thing yes. Are,
0: are, are, really? You think so? Yeah. yeah. That's like no. the understatement <laughs> of the
1: millennium. Um, um,
0: anyway, I mean, so there's like, I don't know. It, it seems very, it's y- cool, but it's also sort of frustrating. And,
1: yeah. And kind of the meta story, I guess, is that you... As a reader, like before I knew how the sausage was made, as a reader, I believed or wanted to believe that like the books that I read about in publications were really the best, most deserving of coverage books, but the inside the sausage factory. No, yeah. It's not that there's all there are the political things that are tied up in you know being in bed with Amazon. There's publishers worried that if they do this thing with this retailer, this other retailer will be mad at them. Uh, there are, are all the like ivory tower impression perception things mm-hmm. that have to be managed about how fancy different publications are or discerning and how your you know association with self published or uh, Amazon published titles may or may not affect that. It's so just hairy and it's gross. And I guess that's why people yeah. say they don't want to know how the sausage is made.
0: Well, it's just, and also some of these Amazon ones I noticed that, are, um, that seem to be huge sellers. If, you, if review numbers are, and rating is actually a proxy, you're right. It could not yeah. actually be a real proxy. But let's say it is for a minute. A lot of them are our genre. And the publishing on the whole, especially the publicity side, it should be said, mm-hmm, still yeah. not as great about genre as it could be. Like here's one Pines, which is a horror thriller. It's, it's Thomas Mercer, 4,234 customer v- reviews, and it's now going to be a TV show executive produced by M. Night Shyamalan starring Matt Dillon. Like, how Dang. have we not heard of this book before?
1: That's crazy. I mean, I don't read really, a
0: lot. I mean, maybe mystery people do. Like, we, you and I are not great, you know, sort of um, genre mystery people. But no, like, but
1: adaptation deals yeah, like bubble their way up this. to us. Right.
0: Anyway, um, let's move on, because we could talk about Amazon and how it's fascinating and terrifying and weird and unknowable um, all right, for like 10,000 uh, hours in a row.
1: Let's go to our next yeah, sponsor. Yeah, tell me about our next book. And then we'll, then we'll do something else. Uh, not the Novice by Taryn Matharu is back this week. I'm going to get all the information yeah. right about it this time around. Uh, the main character of this book is named Fletcher. He's a blacksmith's apprentice. Uh, but then he discovers that he has the rare ability to summon demons from another world. Uh, Fletcher is chased from his village for a crime that he didn't actually commit. And so he must travel with his demon Ignatius, which I just love. I went to Jesuit college. I love the name Ignatius. Uh, So Fletcher and Ignatius are on the run to an academy for adepts. And that's where Fletcher uh, and other gifted people are taught the art of summoning. So he's there along with nobles and commoners, and he's enduring grueling lessons to prepare him to serve as a battle mage in the empire's war against the savage orcs. And if that's not sinister enough, there are other sinister forces that infect his new friendships and his rivalries rivalries with people grow. There's no one but Ignatius the demon by his side, and Fletcher has to decide where his loyalties lie, while the fate of the empire is is in his hands. Uh, So the tag is, he can summon demons, but can he win a war? Uh, Which is a great line. There's an interesting story behind this book. Uh, Taran Matharu wrote his first book when he was nine years old, and then at 22, he began posting The Novice on Wattpad, which is a community, an online writing community where you can share your writing and then readers participate and can provide feedback feedback and all sorts of stuff. Um, And it reached over 3 million reads there in less than six months. Um, Since then, in total, it's been read over 6.2 million times. Uh, The Novice is the first of three books. So this is another trilogy that we're going to see. This is called The Summoner series. And this is his fiction debut. Uh, And as I said at the top of the show, it's being published in print now by Fywell and Friends, which is a, a Macmillan children's imprint. So young adult story going into... Battle with demons and orcs and savage beasts, and it sounds Sinister very forces. exciting. Yeah.
0: Um, so thank you. you. With Wattpad, another uh, shadow mm-hmm. publishing ecosystem that I yeah. don't know as much. I mean, six million. Re, I mean, that is not a joke. I mean, that's a not huge at all six point two
1: million, and there are. A lot. Like when you were talking about how many books there are yeah. from Amazon publishing, there are a ton of projects on Wattpad as well. So it's not easy to get yeah. eyeballs and attention over there. And you have to be doing something right to get 6.2 million people to read anything. Right, like, think about how many books, like, how many books in the last several years have been bought by 6.2 million Like, people? zero.
0: Like, maybe The Fall None. of Our Stars last year, we did the numbers. It was like, if you you added up the digital and the movie tie-in mm-hmm. and the hardback and the paperback, I but think like maybe boy, you got to four or five, maybe.
1: Like, Dan Brown, maybe? The Da Vinci Code was in hardcover Oh, you mean total?
0: Like, you mean, like, total? A single title total?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, The Da Vinci Code was in hardcover for, I think, like, six years. I bet it's,
0: like— 50 Before they put it out in paperback, mm, yeah, right. and The uh, Hunger Games, and that's mm-hmm. probably Harry Potter. It. Probably it. it's bonkers. You know, that
1: is a lot.
0: That's a lot. I mean, not uh, paying for it, so that's a you know. The, still, no, still, but I'm saying like that is a, a, a huge difference. But, yeah.
1: So check out the Novice by Taryn Matharu, and thank you to our friends at firewell and Friends for sponsoring, uh, and for forgiving my mistake.
0: Um, <clears throat> your punishment is a quiz. Oh no. <laughs> A um, couple of them for you, actually. Um, so this was a story that came out of let's see, a, a travel, a travel thing, did it? Oh, come on! World Cities Cultural Forum is a study, I guess, that you know looks okay. at cultural institutions all around the world, and uh, it did a big, it did a big study, and it came up with one of the things. It came up with which major city in the world? has the most bookstores per capita. So it's basically, the unit is bookstores per 100,000 people. Okay. Okay. And so I'm going to ask you two things. One is what city do you think won? What city has the most bookstores? And then um, what is their ratio? Like what is their bookstores per 100,000 people?
1: Oh my God. Math. I have to do guessing. Yeah, and math. I know
0: guessing and math. Yeah, this is this is what you get this for get, getting the read wrong. Yes. Yeah, this, this could, is a rough one. Man,
1: yeah. um, oh man. Do I you want a hint? I can give you a hint. No, I don't want a hint. I okay. want to guess first. Okay. And it's just a wild guess. Um, is it hay on why?
0: That, like, uh, little, that little no, island that has a jillion not. bookstores?
1: It's not. This <laughs>
0: is a major American ci- I'm not Mar- American, oh. world city. So I think it has—it doesn't say, but it has to be at least of a certain size. And that's just too small.
1: Okay, so it's not an American city.
0: Yeah, Let's slip, slip there. I'm sorry.
1: Is it? Um, that's your hint. Okay, well, the oldest bookstore in the world... That you wrote that feature yeah, it's about in, uh,
0: Lisbon, Portugal. Lisbon,
1: Portugal. Is it in Por- Is it Portugal? It's
0: not. It's the right language. No, it's not because that's Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> Spanish It's a Spanish-speaking it's country.
1: A, it's a Spanish-speaking country. Um, oh, it's a Spanish-speaking
0: country. Actually, no. It is a Portuguese-speaking country. I'm so what? sorry. Okay. That that's your now you have. That to doesn't get it.
1: help me because I'm terrible uh, at geography.
0: Okay, it's Brazil. Okay, Brazil. thank you.
1: And now I have to figure out how many people live in Brazil. No, I'm what, sorry. I got this the wrong. The I, was reading, <laughs> I was reading
0: the wrong thing. It's Buenos Aires in Argentina. Buenos Aires. I was looking down the pages compared is this to Rio. real
1: life? I'm sorry. Happening? we.
0: I stepped all over this. So, so Buenos, Buenos Aires in Argentina has the most bookstores per capita of any major world city. Okay. And it has 2.8 million people within the city limits. I'm sure there are suburbs and you know, okay. metropolitan Okay, and
1: so area. 2.8 million is Twenty-eight of the hundred. Yeah. Thousands. So, how okay. many
0: bookstores per hundred thousand people do you think got them the title?
1: Um, one
0: point five.
1: Twenty-five bookstores per hundred. Wait. So that's what seven
0: hundred and thirty-four <laughs> total bookstores in Buenos Aires. What? Wow.
1: What? How?
0: That is a lot.
1: That is so many. Bookstores. It, one
0: for every four thousand people.
1: I don't even understand. That's how like you if my hometown
0: Lawrence, Kansas, had fifteen bookstores. Well,
1: and it's not like a giant. It's not a geographically sprawling city.
0: I don't know anything about Buenos Aires. I have to say, not even which country it is, apparently, um, <laughs> but or what language they speak. <laughs> but that's a, that's a, an enormous number. Yeah. Um that's
1: okay so, yeah so richmond has right about a million people yeah which is 10 of the 100,000s and so we would that would be richmond having like 200 and some odd bookstores I'm, I'm it's all confused. crazy.
0: About- <laughs> it's- they they can't be huge. I mean, it can't be big bookstores. Right, right. Um this Does it
1: no did they operationally define bookstore?
0: No, it doesn't seem to be that way. Um Argentina has 41.45 million people. Okay. And last year printed 129 million books.
1: But the number is is it city per capita or per capita in the city or the country? The city.
0: I'm just looking cuz like they're saying that okay. Argent right. Argentina is like a book consuming uh, country, um,
1: why aren't we hearing more about well, this? Like we hear I about did Iceland write this all the post time.
0: About do you remember the movie theater turned into a bookstore? That's yeah, in Buenos yeah, Aires. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a big there's a big chain that does like a lot of historical renovations that turns like old banks and bookstores and some other things. In um, uh, Music halls into bookstores Mm -hmm. and they're beautiful. I'll put a link in the show notes to that. Okay, so number. So you want to hear the second?
1: I just like need to let that information wash over
0: me. Well, I when I realized I was like, wow, my Eurocentrism is on point with this because I was like, London, Paris, you know, like. Well, we're up to
1: our eyeballs in headlines about Iceland lately. Yeah, Iceland,
0: Iceland. Um, Okay, so the the other interesting one. How about number two? The number two spot. Any guesses? the second most um, bookstores per capita in the world.
1: Is it also not Lisbon?
0: <laughs> it's also not Lisbon.
1: Um, they do not
0: speak Spanish or Portuguese as a national language here.
1: Is it an American city? It is not. Is it?
0: Is this twenty questions?
1: Maybe. Okay. Yeah, okay. Animal, vegetable, and mineral. <laughs> um, oh, well, this is hard now. Uh, is it somewhere in like Japan?
0: You're you're in the right uh, continent. It's in Asia. Okay. I lost
1: my link. But it's not in Japan.
0: Not in Japan. Taiwan. No, it is Hong Kong. Ah. Hong Kong. Um, So Hong Kong has. Let's see. And there's a. They
1: have a lot of people there, so they must have a really lot of
0: bookstores. Um and it has 22 bookstores for every hundred thousand people, wow. so it's pretty close. I mean, it's you know right up there.
1: Are there any numbers for American cities mm, just no, so we can I be sad? I don't have
0: that. I think we've talked about that somewhere else. Maybe I can drag that up and we'll do a follow up next week. Just
1: comparatively
0: to compare it up. to – I mean, I can't. Well, because New, New York, New York would flop. have to have to have 25 So New York in the city itself, New York has about eight million people. Mm-hmm. So it would need to have about three. It would need 2,100 bookstores, if not more, um to to match. Uh, Buenos Aires.
1: If we have any Argentinian listeners. Yeah,
0: we need to know about the book culture of Argentina because Iceland and Argentina are climbing the ranks.
1: And like how many of these 700 and some odd bookstores have you been to? Are they are like the little good stalls ones?
0: maybe? or like, Should
1: we maybe go have Book Riot live Argentina? Yeah, we need
0: a bookriot.ar, uh, uh, it sounds like. <laughs> yes. Something like that. That
1: sounds amazing. I want to go there.
0: Seven hundred and seven hundred and thirty five bookstores. So amazing. That's crazy. Um, all right. Another quiz. Oh. Yeah. Because we did so well with that one.
1: <laughs> this is the part where we would fail. What is it? Like the six million dollar pyramid oh, where you yeah, have to give this each is other
0: bad. clues? <laughs>
1: <This is laughs> it's the thing with yeah, the, it's, the it's, um,
0: it, They speak Portuguese. They speak Spanish. And uh, yeah. Uh, oh, OK. Hong Kong. Um, Harold Bloom, who I talked about on my episode of reading lives. And I think I've talked yeah. to you about before who mm-hmm. he, he wrote this book called the Western canon. That was important to me as a teenager because back then you didn't have the internet and you didn't know what to read. And you're, you know, I used the index of his Western canon to look for international <laughs> global and historical books. To, this is to read. like
1: so telling about us that you used Harold Bloom and I was using the Oprah list.
0: Well, I went to Oprah eventually as well, but anyway, mm. so he's got a, a new book, um, uh called The Demon Knows. And you know, he's huh. been sort of the the uh I guess the old war horse of literary criticism. Um he wrote the the big book was Western Canon. He wrote a book I really liked called Shakespeare Invention of the Human, but he's also controversial because he's not politically correct, to put it mildly. Mm, interesting. Um, and, and, He's not a right winger, but he's a conservative, like a, like a humanist conservative. So he came out in this book with a list of his, the 12 greatest American authors. This is his okay. list. And um, I was going to see if you had, wh- how many of these could you get on a first pass? What, what okay. do you think? So now you know a little bit about him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where do you think? And he ranks them too.
1: Oh, are they all white? They are. Okay. They are. Are they mostly dead? All dead. They're all dead. All dead.
0: And let me see. I think the most recent dead is a. Uh, the most recent one that was alive <laughs> was. Let me see. I think Faulkner died in the seventies, so that's your. I think he was the most okay, recently so Faulkner Faulkner's on the list. There. Yeah, number eleven, William Faulkner.
1: Okay. Um, Hemingway. Nope. No Hemingway, no, I mean, like. Melville.
0: Yeah, there you go. Melville at number Hawthorne. Uh, four. Hawthorne it's at Hawthorne. three. Good. All
1: right. Okay. Um, Melville, Hawthorne, Whitman.
0: Yeah, Whitman at uh, uh, five.
1: Okay. I'm assuming they're all dudes. One lady. One lady. A white lady. White lady. Um, who? A dead white lady. You'll
0: you'll if you don't get this you'll it's it's not a surprise. Let's put it that way.
1: Okay. Melville, Hawthorne, Faulkner, Mm -hmm. not Hemingway. Not Hemingway, not Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald. not Fitzgerald, Um, We got Whitman. Uh I'm trying to remember who my freshman year English teacher talked about.
0: There's some poets on here.
1: Okay, that's not that helpful. (laughs) Robert Frost? There you go,
0: number eight, Robert Frost. Thoreau? No, not Thoreau, not Thoreau.
1: Um, I'm guessing that, like, he, this was not a Ginsburg fan. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent observation. No.
1: Harold Bloom reading yeah, Howl no, is not see. a thing that yeah. happened. Um, oh, this is a hard game. You did, get,
0: we did very well. Um Do you, want, do you want me to fill you in? Okay. Tell me the lady. Emily Dickinson.
1: Oh, <laughs> man. Two. Emily, I feel yeah, so bad. I, I failed I, Emily. It's
0: like, she's so different. Anyway, it, so it's Emerson is one.
1: Emerson. Yeah,
0: my boy. RWE. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily Dickinson, Nathaniel Hawthorne, three, Herman Melville, four, Walt Whitman, five.
1: Okay. Henry
0: James, six.
1: Oh, Henry James. Yeah. It's a little
0: tricky because, you know, he moved, he became British for all intents and purposes. I was going to yeah. say,
1: I think of him as British. Yeah.
0: Mark Twain at seven.
1: Oh, my God. I forgot Mark Twain.
0: <laughs> though, Though I wouldn't have necessarily thought Bloom was a huge Twain fan. Like, you know, that's one that could go either way with blue. I
1: was just sitting here like great American writers, and I yeah. did, it didn't occur to me to think of Mark Twain. Well, you mean you mean the
0: 15 seconds I gave you? You didn't do a <laughs> thorough and complete uh, inventory of the great American authors? Why
1: wasn't Mark Twain at the top yeah. of my mind? I'm I, really sad Frost, about that. Robert Frost, I
0: wouldn't have not come up with Robert Frost. When you said eight. poets, I was yeah. just
1: trying to um, – I was reaching –
0: Okay, let's see. Wallace Stevens at number nine. Oh,
1: I was never going to get never. that.
0: Elliot at ten. Again, that's tricky because mm, he's became mm-hmm. a, you know he became a British citizen, a member of the Anglican Church. I mean, he was born in St. Louis, but whatever. Faulkner at eleven, and Hart Crane at number twelve. Do you know Hart Crane?
1: I know the name. Yeah,
0: he was a he was a poet. Um, that wrote this really long, inscrutable po- poem called The Bridge, and he jumped off a boat and killed himself. Um, not my personal Oof. favorite. So, I guess the next game is if we were gonna keep the number to 12, who mm. are we gonna switch out?
1: Okay, so it's Greatest American.
0: So it says Greatest American,
1: which is different than Most Important. Mm.
0: Right? I guess so. I mean, what whichever way you want to go. It's like some people argue about what MVP means in like sports, is it most right, valuable right, right, right. or, you know, the best to the best the best player on a good team or whatever. Um, whatever greatest means to you. Let's see. <laughs> I'm sure Harold
1: Bloom would be just fine well, with that. Well, yeah, I'm
0: sure. I'm flopping, I'll, I'll go for, I'll pick okay. one. I'm flopping out Hart uh, Crane. Yeah. I had to read that poem in grad school and boy, I did not get it. I'm flopping out Hart Crane for somebody. Hard to get rid of Faulkner to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would sub in Eudora Welty for someone. Yeah,
0: I mean, where um, are we going to put Tomo? That's the that's the big question. Right. I'll flop out her for for Hard Crane. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. If you have Faulkner, you and more. You need Faulkner and Morrison together. Yeah. She pulls on him so strongly. I, I would um, flop
0: out. Uh, am I going to go with Robert Frost? I don't no.
1: know. No, no, I'm getting rid of Robert yeah, Frost. Yeah, getting Robert
0: Frost. I don't know who I'm going to put in there, but I'm getting rid of Robert Frost. Uh, I love Emerson. Oh, yeah, I can't to... touch Emerson. I really can't touch the top five.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Emerson, Dickinson, Hawthorne, Melville, Whitman, that's tough.
1: Uh-huh, yeah.
0: And James, I mean, I mean if, you do, if you do claim it as American, it's hard to flop him out, it seems to me.
1: But if we're talking all time. Yeah,
0: Twain is hard to flop out for me. Twain
1: is hard to flop I out. I could flop
0: out Stevens. I think I would take Ginsburg over Wallace Stevens myself.
1: Yeah, there's at least some flavor
0: there. I like Elizabeth Bishop better than I like Wallace Stevens, I think, too. Hmm. Elliot, I mean, hmm. not my cup of tea, but boy, it's hard to argue influence. Yeah. Well, because I saw people linking to it and they're like, yeah, look, all dead white people. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, okay then what are you going to do differently? I mean, that's the game, right? Like if it's, if you don't like the list, what are you Mm going to do? Like, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to do. I think it's hard to do. Like, I I like Ellis, I like Invisible Man probably better than any single title. I mean, maybe Moby Dick or Leaves of Grass, but it's one book and shadow and act like, does that, I don't know. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, how do you Mm -hmm. figure that out? Um,
1: yeah, but where it stands like I think the first time I told you that I hadn't read that yet you were like this must be corrected. it's the like single most important title yeah, of the 20th century. I, think so. I,
0: I mean that's that's my and opinion. And now that I've
1: read it I would agree um, um, so I guess but Dickinson you, only
0: has one collection of poetry. I mean if you're gonna right. go that way
1: So if you only get 12, you
0: only get 12 right?
1: You've got to decide about like how you define great slash important right. mm-hmm. and the people that are long dead, that we know of are mostly white guys yes. because of how books have been for a
0: really long yeah, time. Right, That's right.
1: And so if you want a diverse list, then you have to blow up the meaning. You have to blow up the definition and the criteria and start guessing right. about who that, you know, now has have some attention from publishing is going to have legs in a hundred years. The way that we're talking, that we're still talking we're about
0: literature. We have the opposite of recency bias. We have, right. Non recency bias, you know.
1: Like, we're just starting to get to that place in publishing where people of color are getting more opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so, like, a hundred years from now, we should have someone in addition to Toni Morrison and Ralph Ellison. Yeah,
0: right. I mean, because um, I could, you know, if I wanted to, I. I could make. I think you could make a case to put Zora Neale Hurston on here somewhere.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Right.
0: I mean, she has several several amazing books and short stories. Um,
1: mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think that's what I was going for with Welty too. Yeah,
0: Welty, um, Flannery O'Connor. Like, if you wanted to, I think you go that way as well. I mean, some of it is we do conflate in literature a lot of times great with influential, and mm-hmm. in order to be influential, you have to have the 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 uh lapse of time, right. and since. Literary diversity is more of a recent phenomenon, and still, as we all know, a lot to work on. there's people are just disqualified because of the not enough time has passed to really know um, who's going to stick around. Um,
1: yeah, it's uh, it's such a thorny.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a to- dumb. I mean, it's a completely arbitrary constraint, right? right? I mean, like why twelve? Right. And why do we need to do this at all? Because we totally mm-hmm. don't. But it is. I think the the instructive thing is to remind ourselves, like we're still in this mode of the greatest American writers. Like even if you and I tried to diversify this within the rules of the game, we're adding two maybe names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. like we're not flopping out half of them. Yeah, and, not well, people
1: yet. people talk a lot about. Getting rid of the idea of canon, yeah, because it's such a self fulfilling prophecy at this point that uh, we talk about like these top twelve books as the top twelve books, and so people read those before they read other things, mm-hmm. and they go into them thinking this is an important book. Um, then there's some investment in reading it and coming out on the other side agreeing yes. that's an important that it's an important book, and then putting it on your own list. And these things run in vicious cycles. And of course, what's canonical in scare quotes is influenced by the culture at the time that it was written and then by who was doing literary criticism at the time that it was written. And a lot of those people through history, most of those people through history have been middle-aged white guys like Harold Bloom. Well and the other thing Um, is like
0: they're not putting another face on Mount Rushmore. Like once some of this is settled, it's sort of settled, right? Like and the eclipse like, let's say someone came out with something that we could objectively prove was as good as Moby Dick like today. Like yeah. as absurd as that would be, it could never compete with Moby Dick just because it doesn't have 200 years of influence under its belt. Like mm-hmm. think of something like Infinite Jest, right? Right. Which you can make a reasonable argument, I think, that you know, at least it wouldn't get you laughed out of like the snobbiest bar in the world. That Infinite <laughs> Jest is, you know, up there with Moby Dick. But no one would then say that Foster Wallace is as influential as Melville just because it, it just hasn't been around for two centuries.
1: Yeah, Moby Dick is always going to be 200 yeah, years he's, ahead. Yeah, he's already he's on adjust. Rushmore, and you're not going right. to
0: chisel the whale off and put up uh, David Foster Wallace. It's just not going to happen. So a lot of it's arbitrary, so why don't – why not have 50 names, right? Then right. then we get to do Willa Cather and, you know, we get to mm-hmm. Isabel Allende. Oh, I guess she's not American. But, like, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can go. And, like, how do you define American? Like, should it be just U.S. citizens we're using political boundaries? Should it be North American? Should we have Alice Monroe? Like, what about the, the American hemisphere? We have South America on there, too? We can pick up Marquez um, and a whole bunch of other people. So you know like you start looking at the boundaries that the boundaries actually start to me to be more interesting than the names on the list
1: right yeah i think thinking about how these lists get made is way more interesting and fruitful than Talking about what's on the list or just yeah. reifying what's on the list. Like, okay, why conduct this exercise? Well, because someone knew that Harold Bloom's list of the 12 books yeah, is a vanity books. fair. Like, this, is a, big, right. like, this is a big post. going to get clicks. Yeah. People are going to pass it around. Um, that It does have the effect of, like, somewhere there's some kid who is the 2015 yeah, version he's like, of, oh, this is awesome. of you who's like, oh, well, these are the 12 books that I should care about yep. then. And that does have, you know, long term effects on how people think right. about. Yeah, books so that and which is books definitely they think true are important, so it's. I think we, you know, we need to continue interrogating these,
0: mm-hmm. I- interrogate
1: the clickbait, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So, anyway, I mean, and, it's and it's it interesting. I, I've done a post myself, um, on the 100 Greatest American Novels mm-hmm. that tries to be inclusive, and I can put that link in the show notes. I've also done a zero to well read in 100 books. Um, which is trying to do sort of a similar, it's trying to use the same kind of idea of like what, what are important, but broadening, you know, like 100 right. is a lot easier and 50 is a lot easier than 12. I mean, 12 is like, it's like who are the 12 greatest baseball players of all time? Like you're not going to get any, any interesting answers really because you're going to get, you know, Ty Cobb and Babe Ruth and Mantle and Christy mm-hmm. Mathewson and like that's not really that interesting of a question. But um, when you can
1: base that on stats, that's not. Yeah,
0: well, that, well, that's a fair point. But even that is like you know the dead ball era, and they weren't playing against black Mm. people, and they only played day game. Like there's all sorts of weird, um, uh, you know, disclaimers and things.
1: So interested in a list of the best selling books of all time with the book with the sales numbers adjusted for like book buying inflation. Yeah,
0: that's or like American population. Yeah, yeah, because that old stat about Gone with the Wind, like if you adjust for population, population and, um, uh, and and for how
1: many books yes. were published like what the market looked like at the time yeah.
0: oh this I'm talking about the movie Gone with Wind I don't know about the book oh, but like yeah. if you adjust for a population and inflation it's still the most you know the, 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 the highest grossing movie of all time like the stat I read is like there were 1.1 ticket sales to Gone with the Wind sold for every person who lived in America Wow. Like some wild number like that in nineteen thirty. Yeah, my
1: friend Ellen Brown wrote a book about Gone with the Wind a couple of years ago, so I know way more random facts about the making of the book and then the movie, but it was like that book was sold... Everywhere yeah. it was—it it was just bonkers, and was kind of the first, like one of the first big breakout bestsellers in the way that we think about bestsellers. I wonder what now. the critical
0: response to that was like. Was it like as histrionic as it was, like the Fifty Shades of Grey panic attacks, like critics and of people were having? Like it
1: was, it was very much like, look at this thing that's so popular, it can't possibly yeah, be like good. Yeah, the women
0: wrote it, and it's about a woman, right. and you know, right, bleh. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it was terrible.
1: <laughs> that noise. Um, uh, I need. I've always wanna, wanted to
0: read that book that your what's you, her name? that wrote?
1: Oh, oh, the book about yeah, Gone yeah, with the Wind. Yeah. It's called Margaret Mitchell's Gone with the Wind. It's by Ellen Brown. I'm
0: gonna have to read that someday. Um
1: I blurbed it man. No, oh, I,
0: I know, I know. I it's on my non TBR that I don't keep. Um <laughs> we better do an off we could, better do a sponsor. Yeah we here. got
1: our last sponsor. Scribd. Scribd
0: If you want to read a thousand books in a day. Mm-hmm. You could do <laughs> – wait.
1: If you're Liberty. Yeah, if you're Liberty and colleague. read 1,000
0: books a day, script. So you go Scribd.com. So we've talked about script before. So we're going to – we'll tell you about it again. We'll do a little – got a few picks for you. Um, oh, good. Subscription book service that gives you unlimited access to a library of more than half a 1000000 ebooks and more than 30,000 audiobooks plus a bunch of comics. That's the other Dang. cool thing about script. The script has books from some of the best publishers around, major houses like HarperCollins, Simon Schuster, HMH, innovative small presses like McSweeney's Counterpoint, and Tin House. With a mm-hmm. subscription, you also get access to more than 30,000 audiobooks, including some of the biggest new releases, a bunch of Random House titles especially that were, you know, we talked about this a few weeks ago that that's new. Yeah. They put them into collections, hundreds of collections created by their team of editors, and as you read more and, I guess, consume or listen or how whatever verb you want to use to how you experience your books, they'll give you some other recommendations. Go to Scribd.com slash Book Riot. That's S-C-R-I-B-D dot com slash Book Riot. Right now, and they get a free month to get started that's thirty days of unlimited reading and listening, and you'll be supporting Book Riot. So that's what we call a win-win. Scribd.com/slash/bookriot. slash riot. right. So <clears throat> on the Book Riot Slack the other day, Jess Pride, she was asking for some audiobook recommendations, um, and as uh, she was like, she's using Scribd. She's like, "Is there? I, I don't want to go. You know, I don't want to go and get something. I've got Scribd. Mm-hmm. What on Scribd would you recommend?" So a bunch of us were sort of uh, bouncing around, and one. I saw my pick was um, The Secret History, narrated by Donna Tartt, is on script right oh. now. Oh. Uh, a, a book that you and I both really like.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's
0: set in a New England college. And like, is it the 70s? It's been a while since I've read it. But you remember the time period, like 80s or oh, 70s? Oh, The right? Secret
1: History? I always thought it was like late 80s, early okay, 90s. Okay, maybe.
0: Okay, right. Um, but anyway, it's a small liberal arts college. And basically, a group of students sort of becomes like a little classics club.
1: I always picture them as like... The alternate universe reality bites,
0: yes, yes, like <laughs> snooty liberal arts reality bites, very good, right, um and uh they get they get it gets intense, and something mm-hmm. happens, and they get in over their head, and it's literary, and it has a lot of references to classical literature, um very uh atmospheric and dark, but also sort of like awesomely. I don't know. Like if you're like me, it is me, so
1: compelling. If you're like
0: me, you, you still got a little romance for like the small liberal arts college. Uh, and this also, but then it has like a little like a mildew under it. You know, it's got a little bit of a, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a festering dark side going yeah. under it. So that, that would be a good summer. Listen, it's long too. So if you've got a road trip or something coming up, yeah. um, that would yeah. be a good one for you. And
1: that it's such a good, I, I've read it in print, but the, I'm intrigued by the audio. I had waited forever to pick up The Secret History. I just don't know how it happened, but I started it on my in-laws couch at Thanksgiving a couple of years ago. And like, that was great because I needed, you know, something that I could just sink right into. But like, I also just ignored everyone for four days. That's
0: so weird because a similar thing happened to me. Like we were at um, Michelle's grandparents' cabin in um, Hot Springs, Arkansas, Mm. and they, they had this old selection of books there and it was there, and I had never heard of it. Again, this was right after it came out, so we didn't have the internet or anything. I had never heard of it. And I read the jackets, like, this sounds interesting, and it blew my mind off. Yeah. Like, my mind was off. When
1: it's like, you know on the first page yes. that they killed someone. Yes. So, like, we're not spoiling right, anything. Right, this, right. this group of people killed one of their friends, and then it the whole book is about unwinding what led up to mm-hmm. that, Um, which I love when stories do that. I want to know why the thing happened instead of, like, exactly what the thing was that happened. Right. It's just... It's so good. Um, My pick, which I'm listening to on audio right now, is Missoula by John Krakauer Mm -hmm. um, about rape and the justice system in a college town. Wait, is that on? uh, Is that on Scribd? It is. I just found it. Wow, that's
0: amazing. Because that's a new title. It came out like three weeks ago.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah they're, they're doing some front list now um, there were 200 and more than 250 sexual assaults reported in Missoula Montana between 2008 and 2012 and those are just the ones that are reported there are a lot of interesting studies about how many sexual assaults go unreported crack um, hour knew one of the women who was a victim and got interested in what was going on there and this is a really deep investigative journalism dive into the particular town and the particular things that were happening, but also a larger picture look at uh, what happens when you report a rape to the police, why you might not report rapes to the police, why women choose not to, what happens in the investigations. We get like transcripts from college, um, I'm, I'm losing my words here. The, um, <laughs> the people that make you behave well and then punish you if you don't, mm-hmm. uh, the like college board hearings and from courtrooms, it is, it's really an important book. It is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, terrifying. Clint's
0: reading that. A couple other people, uh, I think small, uh, Rachel, yeah, yeah, are Rachel yeah, reading that. yeah.
1: When our colleague Rachel and I were like having these text message exchanges about, like, oh my god, and then this thing, um, it's very chilling. And uh, Krakauer is uh, he's at the top of his game, um, can be trusted to do good research. There are just some, you like you know, that it's a terrible situation that women are in in America with uh but it's just so much worse sexual assault it's so much worse than you know that it I is. have
0: to read that I want to read it it's, I just
1: I'm like, I like I'm watching the fall on Netflix right wait, now what's which that is about? um Gillian Gillian Anderson plays a detective who is tracking a serial killer and it's uh it's super creepy we see his side and her side and like all the people Around them mm. And so between Reading Listening to Mo- Missoula And watching The Fall I'm like never leaving my house Or talking to a man Ever again mm.
0: Just <laughs> You know And sadly It's not the most Irrational decision You could make I mean,
1: that's Right the, I mean, that's Don't bother sending me Hate tweets about that I'm not sorry
0: Yeah um, anyway, that's, that's
1: on Scribd, and you should check in there's a check lot of out. good
0: stuff on there. I mean,
1: scribd.com/slash/bookright. All
0: right, tell me about. Well, first of all, we've got a, we, we've talked about the new books podcast, all the books that Liberty is hosting, and. Uh, you're going to be on a lot. I don't know if mm-hmm. they're going to be on every week. I don't think we've decided that exactly. Have we? Do we know? what's, what's well, going
1: I mean, I, th- I think I travel too much to be on it yeah, every yeah. week. But for a while, for I'm going to be on yeah. it. Yeah. Um,
0: but L- Liberty Hardy, our, our good friend and co- co-worker, um, who reads more than anyone else we know, and we know a lot of readers, um, mm-hmm. it's a half hour show. It's a, every, it's every week called all the books with an exclamation point at the end. It's available on iTunes now. It's actually just got featured in the new and noteworthy section. Woohoo. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's basically going to be the segment Rebecca's about to do, but 30 minutes every week.
1: With someone who reads way more than and I do. And she reads
0: way ahead. That, I mean, she reads way more ahead than like even you do. And you way, re, way, you read ahead way more uh-huh, than I do. Like,
1: we were talking. I was talking with Liberty on Monday, and she was like, "I have to go because I have 4 ebooks that I need to read this afternoon because their <laughs> the e-galleys are expiring." And she meant like she was no, going to start No, it's not hyperbole. This is not exaggeration. It's not hyperbole. She does comprehend everything she reads, and when you listen to the show, you'll know yeah. that she's just a voracious and incredibly thoughtful and passionate reader. Eclectic taste. Um, I am scrambling to keep up. Wait, why do a, it?
0: It's like playing Jeopardy with Ken Jennings. Yeah. Like, okay, why are I'm, you doing? Why do we? I'm
1: scrambling to eat even like maybe kind of right. sort of don't embarrass like yourself. It, don't get yeah. checkmated
0: in three moves by Bobby. Fisher.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. She has lit a fire under my reading, but, uh, but it's, it's, it was really fun doing the first episode. was really fun. Um, we got, great response to it and thanks to iTunes for that feature. But if you like this next segment, uh, you will hopefully enjoy all the books Um, and the show notes and all of the stuff are available at bookriot.com slash all the books. And so without further ado, new books this week. Yeah, Uh, My favorite standalone graphic novel of the year so far, Nimona by Noelle Stevenson is out. Um, She's one of the writers of Lumberjanes, which we've talked about a whole bunch. Nimona began online as a webcomic. It was incredibly popular and so now, Harper Teen has brought it out in print. Uh, If you followed the webcomic, the book's real ending is revealed for the first time in this book. Um, It wasn't in the webcomic, so you get new information. It's it's about a teenage, uh, like a young girl. She might be a tween. uh, Her age is not identified. Named Nimona, who's a shapeshifter, and she lives in a kingdom that has a designated, like, dark knight, and a designated white knight, um, so that good versus evil thing, and she makes herself the apprentice to the bad guy, um, but they are going to uncover that the good guy and the kingdom... Are in cahoots, doing nefarious things to the people of the kingdom, uh, and she like can, she shapes shifts into a shark, and she becomes a dragon, and there are schemes and really clever, funny jokes in the writing. Uh, it's just a ton of fun, and like if you have a ten year old in your life who likes fun stories, they will like Nomona. You will like Nomona as an adult, and you'll get all the jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it really, it's really, really great. Um, one of my favorites of the year. I just gave it to a friend's ten year old daughter she read it you know in a one hour sitting and then was like what next what next what next (laughs) Uh, so just a really great, fun story. Uh, built into my wheelhouse is Bourbon Empire <laughs> by, by Reed Meidenbuehler. Uh, it's a history of American whiskey, uh, which I drink a lot of, but did not know all of the particulars about like the law that was passed in 1964 that defined what bourbon was and that made it this special American thing. And all of the ways that bourbon distillers and distributors have expanded and extrapolated and hyperbolized, uh, what's written into the law um, for marketing purposes. Mm. How much of what we talk about with bourbon depends on this like American frontier spirit, but also how much bourbon is distributed by giant corporations mm. that are not like little pioneering.
0: It is know, funny because, like, bourbon, it's like the, parka- the packaging is always like you know, built in, you know, distilled in someone's backyard and like right. rough hand hewn like <laughs> barrels and like yeah. that maker's mark even where they like melt uh-huh. the wax is made to make well, it feel I'm, like more right, batch oriented.
1: You know, Bullet is kind of one of the yes. more popular uh, craft, quote-unquote craft bourbons, but it's distributed by one of the giant like Coca,
0: it's like Coca-Cola. liquor
1: distributors. Yeah. Right. Um So the stories around bourbon are really interesting. What I found to be very satisfying also is how much credit Kentucky gets mm. for creating bourbon, when actually there's strong evidence to indicate that it was created right here in Virginia, ah. uh, distilled for the very first time near Petersburg, Virginia. Uh, so... I'm going to win some arguments on the internet about that <laughs> now. It was a really great, interesting read. The Bueller's voice is really fun uh, and it's a, it's good, very good narrative nonfiction if you're interested in American history and booze and how they go together. Um, couple quick paperback hits. Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng is out in paperback. It was one of our favorite books of the year last year at Book Riot. She, Celeste was just on the read podcast review you this week. It's a great episode. Um, the story opens with with a teenage girl disappearing... Uh, she's found dead. And we then flash back to what the situation is with her parents and her family, what led up to her death, one of her her father is uh, Chinese, her mother is white. And we get to see stuff about their marriage, we get to explore ideas about what it's like to be the outsider uh, in a small community, Um, the pressure, you know, to perform to live up to parental expectations, all sorts of things. It's a really great, compelling read. And she absolutely deserves all the attention that she's gotten Amazon's for it, so. number
0: one best book of 2014 yeah By if editors you, pick. And, and
1: there there was like a fight at book riot behind the scenes over who was going to get to pick it as their oh best yeah, book of the was. year last year yeah,
0: that one in station 11 were like all right we need to like draw straws any, <laughs> right, you wanna, any guesses about how many reviews everything I never told you has on Amazon oh. that's what we call bringing it back around <laughs>
1: No, I don't want to undershoot it because I love. it. No, you don't want
0: to. You don't want to besmirch it. Okay.
1: Uh, um. Uh, okay, but snow falling on Cedars has nine hundred. Nine
0: hundred twenty-nine.
1: 375.
0: 1573.
1: Holy crap, that's awesome.
0: I think it's, it's got to be recency bias too, right? Because a lot of people who read Snow Falling on Cedars read it tw- 10, 15 years ago before like true, a re- review on true, Amazon was a thing. Right.
1: Okay. Well, that's great. I'm happy about that number. That's a
0: good number, 1573. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So anyway, yeah, she was great. So bookriot.com slash reading lives, you can listen to that uh, episode. She was great. drops a great F bomb on that show too, I should say. Man, I appreciate Two of them, I think, that. Now that I remember correctly. Uh,
1: and last in paperback is The Fever by Megan Abbott, which is a great noir thriller about what happens in a suburban town when teenage girls start exhibiting weird symptoms of something. Uh, and some <laughs> of the,
0: Sorry. They don't know. Like, I know. There's weird is, symptoms of something. Like,
1: like, I think it opens one. Of, it's been a while since I read it, but like one of the girls passes out in class and um, other girls... Also start passing out and they get this weird cluster of symptoms and you don't know if it's like hysteria. Mm. Is it conversion disorder stuff? Is it girls faking it? Like, are they doing the crucible um, or the popular theory by some of the parents in the town is that these are side effects from the HPV vaccine that a bunch of the girls just oh, had. God. And so there's sort of a town You know, there's all this tension building in the town, uh, and these questions around if they're making it up, then why are they making it up? If someone is making them sick, who's doing it and why? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's she writes dark, scary teenagers that. Remind you why you never want to go back to high school, but that are also impossible to look away from.
0: Sounds like uh, a, the Crucible in a weird way.
1: Kind of. Well, there was that big story in the news a couple of years ago about a small town where this was happening, mm. where something or where something similar was happening, and I think uh, her inspiration came from that. But uh, also, Megan Abbott will be at the Book BookRageous party ah, that we're yes. sponsoring, and so that is how we bring it all back. And around. wait,
0: who else? We, other people we've talked about? Uh, Daniel? Uh,
1: Daniel Jose Older, older, older. who's been on
0: Reading Lives and who. Wrote uh, Half Resurrection Blue, which you talked about, and his shape. what Shadow Shaper is it out?
1: Shadow Shaper it comes out in June. June, okay. That's really great. I'll talk about it yeah, then. Yeah,
0: okay. Um, yeah, so that's our show. Is it? Yep. Is it? It's our show. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say we were on we were uh, on the top of our game today, but we sure gave it a college the, the old college try. I didn't feel like I was on top of my game since I didn't know a <laughs> what country Buenos Aires Buenos Aires was in or what um, uh, what language they spoke there.
1: <laughs> yeah, this wasn't top of the game, but maybe like. With our powers combined, we were somewhere near. Yeah, it.
0: maybe. I mean, maybe. Um, but uh, <laughs> we sure have fun doing the show every week. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can find show notes at com slash podcast. If you uh, let's see, if you've been to Buenos Aires or you're Argentinian, only think about the book culture of Ar- the, the Argentine book culture we'd love to hear from you, get some more information about that. Also, um, if you've read any of those books on the Amazon best selling list, the link in the show notes there'll be a link in the show notes there. Or if you've read the Paper Magician by Trump. You've got homework, basically, is what I'm saying, you guys. If any of this applied to you please self report um, back to us. We'd love to hear more about you. We get really good feedback from you guys uh, when we ask questions like this, uh, especially if it's about donuts, as it turned out. We're gonna be asking Man, about other food right You came through
1: yeah, with the donut reference. I know we have to
0: do like cinnamon rolls or uh, something next time. Um, let's see. So, oh, Book Riot, uh, excuse me, podcast at bookriot.com. Thank you much to Scribd for sponsoring the show, Squarespace for sponsoring the show, and uh, The Novice by Taran Matharu for sponsoring the show. And we'll talk to you next week.
1: Yeah, have a good one.